There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, this is exciting, Rob, isn't it? Because now we are on top of Edinburgh City itself. We are in the city observatory, the City Dome. And we are in a UNESCO heritage site. It's a World Heritage Site, that's correct. It's incredible. And it's just totally beautiful because you can see the whole of Edinburgh. Yep. And we just took an amazing picture of us with a kind of Roman-like ruin or something behind us. It's incredible. It is. And it's raining now like we're in the Triassic period, like we are in some big MGM movie about dinosaurs. It is ridiculous weather. We started off the morning when we went to Jupiter Artland and it was blazing sunshine and warm and I wish I'd worn shorts. And now... Mental, but isn't that the personality of Edinburgh, it seems? I love it. And the rain is it's so dramatic. And you know me, I love a bit of drama. You love the drama. You chase the drama. And we've just seen James Richards' incredible sound installation. We have. <laughs> and it was raining so heavy that I actually was wearing my um, hoodie. I've hung it up for you. Thank you for that. And we're now looking at a very ancient clock, which we will ask our guest about in one yes. second. But I like this idea of we just saw contemporary <clears throat> art... Um, or heard contemporary art, but in this environment of such history and kind of ancient ruins almost, it's incredible. The juxtaposition of that. It's very good, the juxtaposition. That's like an old song I wrote called Just Suppose I Juxtapose. There we go. There we go, wow. So I would like to welcome our wonderful guest, who is the Collective Gallery Director, which is where we are right now, Collective Gallery, Kate Gray. Gray. Yay. How are you? I'm very good, slightly wet. You're wet as yeah. well. We're all sat here like three jammed rats. <laughs> not, not calling you a rat, but I'm saying that we are sat here like soaking wet. So you're now running a gallery in this space, which is an old um, observatory in the city that went to rack and ruin. Exactly. And through your connections to it, it's been restored into a gallery space, but while kind of retaining what it was historically because it's been protected. Yes, you know, Collective's DNA is an artist-run space um, that was founded back in 1984. Um, so the idea of a collective in a commons, that's also really exciting mm. to us. Um, and then thinking about what an observatory could be, you know, how we can make visual art and contemporary art and artist visions mm. the centre of that observation. Um, so as well as looking out, we're looking in and thinking and, and reflecting. And how long are you here? Is this a temporary thing or have you got... No, so we moved up here in 2013, just in a temporary space, yeah. um, while we fundraised and sort of developed the vision for the site. Um, and then, yeah, we worked in partnership with the council and got major funding from 
Heritage Lottery Fund as it was then and Creative Scotland, etc. Um, lots and lots of different people involved, wow. um, Edinburgh World Heritage. Um, and so it's been a very long process. And then we were on site building the, the project because there's a lot of new spaces as well as the old spaces. And then we opened last November. Congratulations. So exciting. I was going to say, because I've been to Edinburgh quite a few times. I'd never been here yeah, before. Same. Yeah. And I actually, on a kind of funny idea, but um, on your website, you had this map of this site. And I saw all the different kind of sites almost like within the main site. You have maybe like seven different areas where you can experience different things. And I really liked that as an idea of a collective as well, somehow. This kind of and it's collective of like, buildings. Yeah. yeah. And when you see the map, it almost looks like uh, astronomy or something because you've got the sense of different planets or something. Yeah, like in a this constellation. Constellation, yeah. yeah. It's a really beautiful thing, though. I love it here. And talking about this map, we've just been into the gift shop and I was talking to a lady there and you have six or seven tours that are, are like created by artists which are a permanent exhibition you can download yeah. and you can go on a tour of this yeah. site so it's almost it. like a we think of it as a, like a dematerialized collection so we add to it every year we commission oh, a you new do. artist so every, so who's so come, every who's year we've year? done a new one this year we're doing a project with alexandra laudo she's a spanish artist okay and um her her observers walk will be um launched in autumn um but yes we have made them all accessible on site but they're all accessible digitally um and they in a way you can experience them a bit like a podcast remotely but they're developed to be listened to on the hill and there's maps and so forth where you listen to different tracks some of them are very very um, research driven and full of information others are very kind of textural and acoustic and some of them are hysterically funny like Bedwyr Williams. I was just about to mention Bedwyr Williams so his his particular um observer's guide it it sounds amazing like yeah. about the different histories of this this site and the different uses in public space and the daytime and the nighttime and all of these kind of ideas yeah i mean bedwear's project is looking over you, you sit in one place on a on a bench and you overlook one of the um hotel developments that's on one side of the hill and he describes this sort of fantastical um, narrative about what's happening in these bedrooms and people coming in and out of different spaces in the hotel and you kind of imagine it and at a certain point I don't want to um, spoil it spoil it but I don't think that he'd mind me saying that um, at one point there's a lot of searching for for brain matter on the lawn of the hotel <laughs> and um, you know and then another one Patrick Staffs is all about the kind of history of the hill that, that was it was very well known for cruising for a long time. Lovely. Um, and also um, he was looking at kind of plant life on the hill that has a non-sort of non-binary gender. And um, so kind of c- connecting different histories with botany. And um, so there were really, really um, different sort of visions of what this site is. And it's quite a complicated um, history. There are many different things that have happened on the hill, like the invention of photography uh, by Hill and Adamson down in Rock House and Tris von Michel's um, touches on that. Um, Amazing. That all the memorials, you mentioned the columns that um, are called Edinburgh's Disgrace locally because um, it was meant to be a full-scale replica of the Parthenon and they only managed to do one 
Wow. Uh, one wall, <laughs> wow. uh, which is still standing. Um, but that's why it's called Edinburgh's Disgrace because they never finished it. They never oh, wow. made, managed to raise the money that they when was that? needed. The... That was back in the 1800s. So why all... did they want to recreate the whole thing? There, there was a big narrative around the light, Enlightenment about Edinburgh being the Athens of the North and wow. this sort of sense of a kind of rekindling of the Greek kind of renaissance funnily enough because it's only got one part of it it has a kind of real sense of time passing or something it feels really yeah. ancient ancient yeah, like yeah, way yeah. more ancient than that even yeah so it's quite maybe it was just meant to be because yeah. i think it's really quite poetic in a it's way it's lovely that it's unfinished a bit like a kind of unfinished drawing or yeah something. a study so I, is, mm. yeah. I really recommend everyone goes to the website collective-edinburgh.art and then you can download those um, audio files and just put them on your telephones or your audio devices and then walk around the site when you visit Edinburgh for the Arts Festival because it's a really special way of experiencing mm. this site and mm. I think it's such a brilliant initiative. Did you commission them? Was yeah. it? Congratulations, yeah. that's oh. so cool. I once did one of the talks with Janet Cardiff yeah. going around Central Park yeah. a couple of years back and I just... It's such a unique experience yeah. doing like an observer walk mm. and having that artist basically talk you through the site. Mm. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. And sound plays a really big part here at the moment because you also have James Richards' incredible installation, Migratory Motor Complex, which we mentioned briefly earlier. And I initially saw this, I think, in 2017 in Venice at the Biennale. And Russell and I have both hung out with James a number of times. And I've got a print of his and I'm a big admirer of his work. His show at the Chisholm Hill in London blew mm-hmm. my mind. I mean, I wasn't even expecting it to because I didn't know his work that well. I'd seen something at the ICA and I really liked it. But then when I saw that show, just the quality of it and the rigorousness of of his work completely made me get into sound art in a way that I'd never been into it before. And and visual art, you know, in the sense of like videos and that kind of immersive installation. So how did you come about working with James? Well, when he was commissioned for the Wales Pavilion um, back in 2017, he was commissioned by Chapter in Cardiff and um, they got in touch um, looking for partners uh, for the the project to move on to. So it was a long time ago. um, As soon as um, Hannah there at Chapter was talking about it, we knew we wanted to work with James and, and Chapter because it is incredible work. Um, and there's just so many textures and I suppose the way he works with film is also very similar with the way he's working with sound, with the collaging, all these um, sort of very emotive things together and maybe even more so with sound that you get that sort of sort of straight, um, perhaps a more straightforward connection to that sensory experience than it's quite visceral somehow I think. yeah and it's a six channel electro acoustic installation for everyone who's listening because you might not know what the work is in that kind of very simplistic description but you can also sit down yes. on, on this kind of sculptural installation space. And, the, and the space that we have it in is the city dome and that's a kind of domed a 10 metre wide domed space and it's been tuned to um, resonate with that space. We've taken out every bit of extraneous material um, so the space looks very raw and um, and James spent a long time tuning the work um, and just making it sort of lift up into the dome and drop down again. So, so there's great. Mm. a very kind of interesting play with the building itself. 
the benches are kind of a grid-like system as well. So you're, you feel like you're part of the work when you sit on them Definitely, and yeah. you listen and then you can position yourself in different places and have a quite a different experience. And also when there's other people sitting down, I feel like you're almost connected to them through the, the through design grid, of the seating yeah. area. So you're all together in it somehow. Yeah. It's a quite complex and it's, installation. It's that kind of push and pull between your individual experience and this sort of group space. Yes. Um, and that happens a lot when you're in an exhibition space as well as and you're sort of moving in and out of um, ways of experiencing things that feel very close and personal and then very kind of communal um, and I think it really plays amazingly with that and it was interesting one of the um, visitor assistants that was working in that space came back into the office the other day saying although that she'd almost been crying because <laughs> There was an older couple sitting in the space with their heads on each other's shoulders oh. and they were just lost for ages with their eyes shut. And I think because we're in this site and people don't necessarily make a decision to come and see contemporary art, they're coming to see the site and then they find themselves in contemporary oh. art and, um, and they can have this sort of, well, I suppose we try and make it as seamless as possible to become involved in the work before you start to think oh do I want to do I, what do I like what do I think um and um so it feels really amazing when something like that happens where you get the sense that people are just having an, a kind of very unmediated experience a happy accident we have come back to edinburgh because we actually met here about 11 years ago russell and i in edinburgh as and we're now best friends and we're doing the show together and one of the reasons we came here was because bombay sapphire invited us and we really love their new campaign discover the possibilities within what advice would you give to people and young artists or existing artists or you know mid-career artists um what advice would you give them for opening up their own creativity Wow. Well, I suppose that question makes me think about the satellites program that we have here, where we in, invite five practitioners a year to come and work with us for 18 months. And as part of that, they have an exhibition. And I think that um, joining together is a really important way. You know, it's quite often in the arts, you see one name sort of coming out of a of a kind of cohort but actually all those people have informed that and, and are working together um, so I think find like-minded people and talk um, and challenge each other. That's wonderful and personally what stirs your own creativity? Um, well uh, the, I suppose the other thing that, that is really interesting is when there are boundaries and what you can do with those to kind of think laterally. So um, for me, I suppose over the last few years, developing this site has felt like my creative challenge in that, you know, it's a very fixed thing. It has a lot of history. It's bricks and mortar. But if you think um, laterally, you know, sometimes... What, you, what at first seems like things that can confine your ideas are actually the things that help you to um, develop new ideas. So you're thinking, right, I can't go through that. So if I go sideways, where does that take me? And that can be a much a very creative way of evolving. Wow, that's great. 
So we ask uh, all of our guests two really hard, serious questions. (laughs) If you could do an art heist, you can steal any artwork in the world, your touchstone artwork, what would it be? And actually, while we're here, let's try and make it Edinburgh-centric. Ooh, Edinburgh-centric. Well, um, I don't know. I'd probably keep coming back to A Hole to See the Sky Through by Yoko Ono. Um, Really? Partly, and that can be Edinburgh-centric because you you can use it anywhere. Yes. Um, and I think that it's a very uh, clear, um, very strong and very poetic. Um, and it helps you see everything in a different way. And it, yeah, so I think that's... You see this at Venice? Was that the first time you saw it? No, well, I suppose I... Um, well, I, ca- I first encountered it at art school, which is probably the, a time when <laughs> you're going how- gonna to have your most uh, sort of... Strong, re- yeah. re- you know, connections Reactions. to, yeah. to what, so what exactly is it? It's for our listeners. So it, it's all it is in a way is a white postcard um, with a tiny hole um, drilled in the middle, and it just says on it in very plain courier font, uh, "A hole to see the sky through." So you have, and it's meant to be a multiple, so you can recreate it any any number of times, and you can give it away, um, and it's. You know, the idea is that that you have that action of holding it up and looking at wherever you are in a different way. That's so great. And I love Yoko Ono's work for this, for two ideas, actually. One is the universal and how no matter where you're from, what religion you are, all that stuff, we're all kind of the same in the sense and that we all have the same. And it's about how we look at it rather than what it is. Exactly. And that work can travel all over the world. And it's quite a great work for this location as well at the top of the hill when you can look up at the sky. It's really great, actually. But I also love her for the idea of togetherness and John Lennon as well. But the way they tried to unite people and make people listen to each other and understand each other, because I think more and more, um, I think our world's always going to need that, you know, and regardless of the political climate we're in right now, it's like an ongoing thing through history. And I think they just so purely kind of summed it all up in such a simple language as well, like visual language, but also um, in his his lyrics as well clarity is but a hard thing she's a great artist and I, I would love to meet her one day I think yeah, you is incredible one of these postcards I have got one of them. have you awesome amazing I actually got one I think in Venice when she did her show there mm. um, yeah and um, fingers crossed we can interview her one day yeah dreamy mm. and the other question we ask is what is your favourite colour I'm going to have to say blue. Ooh, we've had a lot of blues yeah. today yeah. Blues in because Edinburgh. I think there's such a big sky yeah. and everybody's saying the sky yeah where, where are you from, Edinburgh? No, I was born in Edinburgh. Yeah, you were. Really? Yeah, cool. And I spend a lot of time on the sea, down off Portobello as well. Like, um, so, and that helps, I think, to just get a different perspective on the city. You know, climbing a mountain or looking at it, getting out outside of it, um, and looking back at it from the sea. So, yeah, sea and sky is. It's super important. I've actually had um, Kate Bush's song, The Big Sky, in my head while we've been in the uh, car. I love that record. But I can imagine her like standing up here and singing that. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much. That's what I want now. 
Isn't it? You want the pink bush up here singing <laughs> the big sky. Yeah. Oh, I think she's quite reclusive though, so yeah, I don't know. I, know. I think it's going to be tough. Mm. Tough one, yeah. Um, I did see her live a few years ago in London. It was incredible. I missed that. Um, well, thank you so much, thank Kate. You, it's Kate been such Ray. a pleasure Lovely. to meet you. And I feel very inspired after this conversation. So thank you. Well, it's such a pleasure um, to show you around the site. And thanks very much for coming up. For everyone listening, please come and visit Collective Gallery. It's really incredible on so many levels. And you will feel so rewarded by coming here. Yes. So thank you very much. Thank we are now going to go on to our next bit of the tour, which we'll, we will announce right now. Bye. So we are in the most amazing building, aren't we, Rob? It is just sublime, actually. It's a, a it's an old, it's the old original Parliament building of Edinburgh. This is where Parliament was until it was dissolved. I want to say, but I don't think that's the right word to use. But in in the mid 18th century, it moved away from here. But it's still used as a, a courtroom uh, for civil injustices that get covered here. But we are in this amazing room, which should acoustically be ruining our tour car, but it's actually benefiting our tour car because it has a kind of furtive field. It's incredibly calm in here, actually. And there's an amazing stained glass window, which is totally blowing my mind. Oh, yeah. And we are surrounded by art, contemporary artworks. Um, Within an original, traditional artwork, figurative, um, Renaissance style, well, not Renaissance style at all, actually, but figurations of past leaders of the government are on the walls. We've got five Rayburns hanging in here. Actually. Five Rayburns? Yeah, so like amazing portraits, actually, in the, in the collection. Love. Show to you. Yes, please. We're actually looking at them now somewhere. They're just we? down there on the left, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there and there's one over there. So and the contemporary artwork is by Nathan Coley. It is by Nathan, Nathan Coley, Coley, who's an artist based in Glasgow. And this was a commission. Well, let's let's. Oh, yeah, so this is a commission that. for the <laughs> Edinburgh Art Festival, Festival, which is why we are here because we wanted to see all these different um, hidden gems, basically, yeah, of, Edinburgh. of Edinburgh. Yeah. So we are with the director of that right now. Yes. We would like to welcome. Soraka Carey. How are you, Soraka? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on our show and thank you for inviting us into your city. This is your baby, what we've been experiencing today. We've had the most amazing day so far. We've seen so many of the hidden gems and you're kind of the ringmaster of all of those. Well, it is, it's such a privilege. I mean, I think August is the moment when the world comes to Edinburgh and it's such an opportunity to share all these amazing spaces. I mean, we, these spaces are here all year round. Mm -hmm. there, um, our partner galleries are making amazing exhibitions all year round. Mm -hmm. But in August, we have that really special opportunity to share that work with the world. And of course, to open up some new, exciting hidden spaces that aren't normally open all year round, like the building that we're standing in here so this building this we stood in is actually open to the public. They, we we bypass security, I think, because yes. we're with you guys, so we yeah. were treated like VIPs. But yeah. normally there is a security system to come into yeah. this building because it's yeah. still working as yeah. a courthouse. Yeah. And it's Parliament Hall. Yes, it's Parliament Hall. So the public can come in, but it's amazing how few people are aware that they're allowed to come in. And so we've been finding over the years by doing these projects in, in these buildings, some of which you're not allowed into, some of which you are. Mm -hmm. um, but by inviting artists to come in and inviting the public to come in, we're kind of really increasing that awareness. But also building amazing conversations between contemporary life mm -hmm. and the extraordinary historic fabric of our city. Wow. So, so as we were saying before, there is uh, contemporary art within this context here that has been commissioned for the Edinburgh Art Festival yeah. by yourselves. Yeah. Who is the artist that we're seeing here? They're, they're like a neon. Well, they're not neon, are they? Like 
Were they, were they, were they? They're LED, LED light boxes, actually. Right. And the artist is an artist from Glasgow, Nathan Coley. He was uh, shortlisted for the Turner Prize some years ago. He's very well known internationally. He's he's participated in lots of international biennials and he's represented in lots of very important public collections. Uh-huh. And um, we were really privileged to, to work with Nathan. Nathan had an idea for a project which, in fact, was inspired by seeing um, a televised address by Barack Obama on TV a few years ago and he saw this amazing backdrop um, which was these wonderful landscapes and he started to do a bit more research and he discovered that the um, diplomatic rim of the White House is wallpapered with this um, French wallpaper that was made by a French company called Zuber who uh, had French artists imagine what the United States of America looked like. So the landscape scenes that you're seeing here in Parliament Hall were first created by um, French artists in in the uh, early 19th century, just imagining what America never visited it. How just fascinating! Imagining this new world from the old world of Europe, looking across you know the Atlantic. So it's kind of the American dream via a French perspective. Yeah, exactly. Love that. It's it's complete. You know, really fascinating. And I think Nathan was really struck by that history and um, decided he wanted to make a new work with this wallpaper. Wow. And they still make this wallpaper today (laughs) using exactly the same. They used woodblock prints, which have been declared national monuments in France. Wow. And they still have a team of craftspeople in the north of France who produce this wallpaper to commission. I mean, you can imagine. It's very (laughs) expensive. They have showrooms in London, Dubai and Paris. That probably demonstrates how expensive (laughs) (laughs) the the audience is. is. So this isn't the actual wallpaper, though. This is a copy of the wallpaper. Did you have to get a license? This, yeah, they very kindly gave us a set of the wallpapers for Nathan to work oh, with. Oh, they it is did. The actual oh, wallpaper. wow! Cool. So these and these then, phrases that are going uh, through it that come through the light box is that part of? So then Nathan has borrowed. He, in his words, he would say he has borrowed texts from the world to kind of puncture the landscapes. But of course, the texts are. Um, saying things and entering into a dialogue with the with the landscape so the one that we're sitting underneath right now says looking for luck backwards it's it's written backwards in the landscape and it's it's lit it's shining out through the landscape and nathan um would happily share with you that that he found that phrase um in a interview in that cnn did with a migrant who was coming from Mexico and trying to get across the border mm. into America. And the interviewer asked him why, what, what was he doing? Why was he trying to cross the border? And he said, I'm looking for luck. Oh, God. Wow. That's, That's an amazing phrase. And actually, I love how um, the dialogue and the conversation within this work is so international as well, because it's a concern everywhere at the mm. moment, mm. these kind of issues. And yeah. I think it's so important that he's highlighting it in Edinburgh as well, yeah. like to bring it to the UK and yeah. for us all to be able to yeah. think about that too. And I think he, it was very important to him that, that, it, that it is seen as, that it is a work that has a very open reading. It's not about one place. It's about the hopes that we put in particular places um, all around the world. And so that dialogue is kind of relevant, as you say, very relevant internationally. And also, I think the language, if you look at the one behind you, it says, you don't know about me. Mm. That's almost something I would hear on the streets in Margate or in London, like from some of the kids. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You don't know about me. You know, that kind of colloquial kind of very, yeah. yeah. Shorthand. And he really liked putting it in here because, of course, this is a place where 
on a daily basis, arguments are being tested. You know, the, you know, the precision and the precise meaning of things is really, really important. Yeah. And he really liked putting something in here that's actually quite ambiguous, you know, that we have to find our meaning. You know, we're, as audience members, are really kind of drawn into that kind of dialogue and kind of finding our place with and in the work. What's the um, what's the people who are working here on a daily basis? How do they find these artworks? They have been amazing, actually. Yeah. We went to see um, so the hall that we're standing in, um, the person who has ultimate control of what happens in this hall is um, a man called the Lord President, and he's in charge of the Supreme Courts. And um, Nathan and I went to visit him, and he was really excited and interested in the project, and also really committed to opening up the hall to a wider public and to this inviting audiences in. This is the first time you've in. done this. this this is the first time wow. that we've worked in here. Yeah. Would you do it again? I would definitely do it again. Wow. I mean, it's an amazing, it's a, you know, it's a wonderful space, yeah. architecturally, um, historically. artistically, historically, mm. but also in terms of, I think, you know, the meaning that we can kind of really reanimate and kind of really re-engage with in our city, you know, to kind of bring people into these yeah. places. And it's also such a unique environment to give an artist to respond to. Mm. So it's a really great thing that the Edinburgh Art Festival sort of helped to facilitate this you know, possible two worlds that would probably never have merged otherwise. And you can do it for that sort of unique exhibition. It's really powerful. The one behind there as well, we are the monument. I mean, what a phrase. We are the monument. There's a really great song actually by Robin, um, the musician from Sweden. Mm -hmm. She's a big international pop star now that she did with, I think, Roiksop, who are an experimental kind of Icelandic Icelandic um, music band. Mm -hmm. And they did a song called Monument. And she actually wrote that song in response to a sculptor's work that she'd seen. And it was these kind of figures that were created. um, She shows with Lorcan O'Neill. I've totally forgotten her name, but I'll put it on our Instagram. No, no, no. She's more um, like younger than that, Mm -hmm. sort of more emerging artist. She's really great anyway. Her song is called Monument. And I've always been really struck by that record and this mm. idea of history and mm. how, w- what is your monument? Um, what, what are you going to leave behind? Yeah. Um, you know, mm. by, by yeah. living your life and yeah. what good your are you going to do? Yeah, your yeah. legacy, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Edinburgh Art Festival is 16 years old. Mm. How long have you been involved with it? I have been director since 2011 was my first festival. Wow. Yeah, yeah so I'm the second director. So yeah. how are you finding it this year compared to the other years that have passed? Um, it's been an amazing year. We've got an extraordinary programme. I know that you guys have had a chance to go yeah, around and see amazing. some of the We've other... It's been amazing. We've had the best, yeah, though. We've had yeah. the best, though. You've been to new swimming pools. Yes, we've got, we got the swimming trunks from the swimming pool. We didn't go in the swimming pool, but amazing. we... The swimming trunks are so awesome. Very and I love their, awesome. like, pool float as well. It's, like, one of the best designed... <laughs> Merch, art, merch, things. We we love a bit of merch at Talker. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But what are your highlights for the festival? Like, what would you recommend people go and see? Oh, 
well, I mean, obviously, I have to preface that by saying all my children are equal. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but I also know that not everyone can, can see everything. Mm. In, in so, you know, we've got over 50 exhibitions, so it's quite hard. And are you um, across all of them? You, I, you... we, no, we have a partnership model. Okay. So I think that, you know, what is really amazing about Edinburgh as a city is that actually, probably outside London, it's hard to think of another city in the UK that has got such an amazing array of venues for presenting work in. So, you know, if you think about Edinburgh, we've got national galleries, mm-hmm. we've got major contemporary art spaces with international profiles like the Fruit Market or Talbot Rice Gallery which and Collective, which I know you're going to, artist-run spaces. But then we also have these great production facilities that are, you know, there for artists to produce and make ambitious work all year round. So well, we've Edinburgh just been to Edinburgh yeah, Sculpture Workshop. Yeah. And of course, a highlight for me, I think, of this year's programme is um, another production facility, which is Edinburgh Printmakers, mm. who again have moved into an amazing new building, a new building, but it's actually a historic building that they've reimagined. So it used to be a rubber, the um, Brit- North British rubber factory. And, the, you know, they made Wellington boots, hot water bottles, like all sorts of things, golf balls. I never knew golf balls were made from, from rubber. rubber. Yeah. Wow. And um, they, so they've moved their printmaking studios in there, which is an amazing facility uh, for, for um, artists and members to use all year round. But they're uh, presenting a fantastic new film installation by this artist called Hannah Tuliki. She's got a practice working with film and music and performance. I mean, really an artist to look out for. And she's just spent the last two years doing a residency with... Um, tribes around the world who have traditions of deer dancing. Now, obviously, in Scotland, you know, the deer is pretty important. Mm-hmm. And as I discovered from her project, I think Highland dancing, you know, when people put their hands up like this, they're imitating the um, antlers of a deer. But there are, this tradition exists in indigenous tribes in Arizona, where she went and made a residency. I think there's instances of it in Japan. So she's made this amazing film, but also we'll have a special performance happening tomorrow night of her kind of performing some of these um, wow. uh, performances. So that's how a printmaker, that's definite highlight, I would say. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Great. So we have a lot of younger listeners who mm. listen to this, this podcast mm. and who are artists or designers yeah. or fashion designers. Yeah. Um, what um, advice would you give them to kind of fulfill the creative p- potential that's within them? Wow. That feels like um, quite a burden, actually. <laughs> really, <you know>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to give advice to the younger generation. I mean, I think we, you know are always learning from the younger generation. I mean, for me, that's something that, you know, is always such a privilege, actually, as a festival director, is actually to see this constant sort of stream of, you know, new creative expression that keeps on coming and keeps on sort of challenging us as people who think we've seen it all before, you know. Um, But I think... I think you you have to be brave, don't you? You have to be brave. You have to sort of not be afraid, I think, to seek out conversations, um, to, you know, not to be afraid to go up to people and say, hey, come see my show, come see my work. Because I think it's in those, it's absolutely in those real live encounters that people have with your work that you have that real opportunity for someone to be really struck by what you're doing and to kind of make that special connection. It's, you know, we see, we get a lot of submissions that come by email or, um, you know, seeing stuff that's been reproduced, but it's never the same, actually, I think, as having the experience to actually see see the real work. And talking about connection, I'd like you to 
tell us about the Travelling Gallery, mm. which is the contemporary art it, bus. Oh my God, isn't it amazing? Is I this your initiative? You, you came no, up no, with no, that. No, 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 I can't claim any glory okay. for Travelling Bus. <laughs> travelling Bus, has, Travelling Gallery has been going for, they just celebrated their 40th anniversary last year and they had this amazing anniversary exhibition here in the festival actually at City Arts Centre. So it's pretty extraordinary that it's been going for that long and they've been taking really cutting edge, kind of quite challenging contemporary art practice out to very rural and remote communities across Scotland. It's, it, it's you know, I can't think of another example actually of, of people working in that way. And in the anniversary exhibition, I mean, they had work by Christian Markley, they had like major figures wow. from, you know, the past 40 years of, of contemporary art practice. Lots of young artists as well, I think, who've had their real first opportunity of doing, you know, an ambitious exhibition in that context, but then taking it into difficult, difficult contexts and, you know, both in, you know, in urban contexts with audiences that wouldn't normally come into a gallery, but then also going up to the islands and the highlands and, you know, taking, you know, taking it all over the country. It's such a wonderful initiative and I, I think it's very much about that idea of breaking down elitism as well yes. and yeah. and that's art what we're really everyone. interested in. Yeah. We always say art yeah. for everyone, yeah. that's kind of our slogan yeah. or whatever, but yeah. I really believe it's so yeah. important. Yeah. And also for the artists to be able to show their work or think of showing work in such an unusual context mm. and the idea that it's travelling, like in a, in a bus, I just love mm. the idea yeah. that it can reach so many different yeah. audiences. Yeah, the yeah. exposure it gets of yeah. people who would never probably ever see contemporary yeah. art. And that's Absolutely. also why we wanted to highlight Edinburgh right now because a lot of people think of Edinburgh which we love of course the fringe the and, comedy, and yeah. all the comedy mm. we have loads of friends doing yeah. events here and things like that but for us like I love the idea of going and exploring so instead of just which is incredible of course going and seeing a Bridget Riley show at the National Gallery is mm. amazing and it's the one thing you might just come off the train and pop to yeah. but I feel like you should really try and spend a few more days here and just mm. go and explore because by discovering art the way we have done today mm. you know yeah. going to Jupiter Artland going to all these places and seeing art in different contexts it's just the most inspiring thing yeah. and I think when we go back home we're going to keep that with us, mm. you know, that kind of memory of it. Yeah. You still have an Art Late City tour, don't you? We do. We have one every Thursday during the festival, and that's a great way so cool. to kind of really absorb a lot of programme in a very short space of time. And also with, with, with you know, fueled by a little bit of gin, but, you know, I, I won't mention <laughs> Well, we like our... gin. We're Bombay <laughs> Sapphire. We're big fans of gin. Yeah, Bombay Sapphire are the ones who actually helped us come, come to Edinburgh for yeah, this, this yeah. trip. So it's Thank you, Bombay Sapphire. Yeah. So we asked two questions of every contestant, I say, but uh, every victim that comes on tour car, they're quite hard questions. But the first one is, if you could do an art heist from your touchstone artwork and you can steal it and live with it forever legally and we'll help you do it, what artwork would that be? And let's try and make it Edinburgh-centric if we can. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. What I was going to say, Go on. and I'm not, allowed, not sure if I'm allowed to say this because it's probably technically not Edinburgh-centric, but... And it might be surprising to you talking <laughs> to me as a director who works with lots of contemporary artists, but I would steal a Rembrandt self-portrait. Mm. Really? I'm being really honest about that. The one that left the National Gallery recently and when they could go to Well, in fact, there was a Rembrandt portrait, wasn't there, that, that was, I think there's one in the Duke of Buccleuch's collection that, that perhaps went missing for some time and I have to put my hand up straight away and say it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the right location to declare that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, Parliament Hall. But 
So that's one thing I would steal. Yes. Definitely. That was on the tip of your tongue, but you don't know anything in Edinburgh tongue. at the moment. I'd quite, I wouldn't mind having, well, I, I, you know, if my wall was large enough, I would quite happily have one of Nathan's light boxes yes. on my wall. Awesome. Well, we will build you a wall And I might be in a very that. good yes. position to actually perform <laughs> that heist. Yeah, I think you are in perfect prime, prime position. Love that. And the other question we ask all our guests is what is your favourite colour? Red. Red? Ah. And why red? Red is, it's interesting, isn't it? I think red, on the face of it, seems like an obvious colour, but it's actually, I mean, obvious in terms of its qualities as a colour, but it's not, is it? It's mysterious. There's so many, you know, there, there are lots of colour, lots of sort of um, different ways in which red can go. It can kind of go into blues, it can go into oranges, it can be quite rusty. I'm a great fan of a rusty red. Mm. And I, I, there's an emphasis to it. It's kind of emphatic, it's warm, it's, it's not shy, is it, as a colour? I always think red is a kind of life force as well, mm. the kind of idea of within you, that yeah. kind of, yeah. I don't know, it's like a it's visceral, powerful thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like terracotta. Do you? Yeah. A lot. That's a red, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's definitely a red. Yes. Yeah. So well, on that note... I'm loving it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yes, and, pleasure. Um, we're really hoping to come back every year because it's just been amazing. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Please do. And we've had the I'll best time. I'll take you time. to more secret places yes. next year if you come back. Yes, please. So this list we've got today came from yeah. you, right? God, and we're, so we're gonna um there will actually be a map that you can download from the bombay sapphire instagram and website where you can actually see the whole map of edinburgh and that will give you instructions and directions of where to go to see all these hidden gems yes so we would like to thank you very much for your time and thank for bringing so us into this carry. incredible environment here yes. at parliament hall and to everybody who works here thank you so much and we we're now going to head next to talbot rice gallery <laughs> right. for Good. Enjoy. Uh, the final stop of our yes, day yes amazing sound by samson young yeah i love samson yeah. young yeah, yeah. thank you thank so you. much bye, bye. So, Rob, we are on the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle of I've, Bombay Sapphire trip of Edinburgh. I have loved today so much. Me too. And we've just come to what I think, I know we've been talking about this idea of like things that are off, off the, the beaten track, track. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. But this actually is a genuine hidden gem. Yeah. We have just been inside a gallery looking at Samson Young's exhibition. He's yeah. an amazing artist. I originally knew about his work, I think from Hong Kong, actually, because I think he was based in Hong Kong for a long time. Yeah. And, um... I've, he's a sound artist in a, in a way, but he also uses visuals and videos and all kinds of new media. Yeah. But I, I really respect him as a sound artist. I think yeah. he's kind of reinvented what it is to be a sound artist. And I found it quite interesting today because we've seen a lot of sound art. I think almost all the spaces he went to yeah. had sound art. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed it. Like It's, such it's a so immersive because it's using what Edinburgh is about and using the spaces and it's so historical. And then you're juxtaposing that with the contemporary art. Yeah. and It's quite unique. We are with feels. the... Assistant curator? Yes. Of the Talbot Rice, Rice Gallery. Gallery, which is the uh, public gallery attached to Edinburgh University. I know, which is a really interesting perspective, actually, because I think that, that injects a kind of different energy here into this space. Mm. And I think it's quite critical and quite intellectual, but also there's a kind of youthful energy to it and very much new ideas, mm. which, again, is something you and I love. So We love new ideas. We do love so new ideas. So please welcome to Talk Art. Stuart Fallon. Thank you very much, and welcome to Talbot Race Gallery. Thank you it's very much. It's such here. a pleasure to be here. So you are the PR for the gallery, as well as being an assistant curator. I so do. You should be able to talk up 
Talbot Rice <laughs> should dream. be able to. Yes, I should be able to. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I do sort of the promotion for the gallery as well. We're, we're quite a deceptively small team at the gallery, so we all have our main role and then we do kind of ele- other elements as well. How long have you been an assistant curator here? Um, been here since, I've been at the gallery since 2012, but wow. I've been in my curatorial role since 2014. So. Wow. And see, the, the current show we've just seen by Samson Young, this amazing sound exhibition, which you can now hear in the background, which Robert's just talking about, this this was basically came from you and your initiative of bringing that here? Um, no, it was our director, Tessa right. Giblin, who curated the show. Uh-huh. Um, so um, it's a long time in the planning. A lot of our exhibitions do take a few years in the, in, to come to fruition. So I think we started talking two, three years ago with Samson. He did a site visit just over two years ago where he sort of got to know Edinburgh, got yeah. to know the gallery got to know what we could offer which is quite unique as the university art gallery so when he came, came over at first we introduced him to all different parts of the university the music department the different kind of resources within the collection just as a sort of tentative start about yeah. the project and then he then did the work and kind of found the connections and found the found the threads that he wanted to develop into into the project is he a nice person he's the nicest person is he yeah he's such a sweet quiet guy but just very intellectual, very thoughtful. Yeah, he's, he's so you company. offered him other spaces within the university, or you knew, you always knew it was going to be this space. Always going to be here, but right. we offered them the resources that right. in the university, and it's what we do as a gallery, which we can other spaces can't do. We can offer access to the collections primarily, but also the academic community and the resources that happen, the, the, the human resources within the university. So, did he take up any of those resources? Yeah, very quickly. So we introduced him to the head of music, yeah. and then she introduced him to the NEST department, which is Next Generation Sound Synthesis, who are a group of music technicians who are creating this digital technology to create the sound of instruments which have been lost to history, but also hypothetical instruments. So instruments that no longer physically exist. Like what? Like a horn from the medieval times. No way. Yes, and they're digitally recreating these sounds. But what they can then do with that technology is create hypothetical scenarios for the instruments to be played within so the sound you can hear outside samson's taking that technology but pushed it to somewhere that the the science minds might not have he's brought an artistic brain to it and he's been quite playful with it so how, how did i create these sounds again where where does the dna for that exist it's physics it's the they, they know the uh, there's there's uh, there's records of the size of instruments or the kind of the the scale of the material they're made of. So then they can digitally recreate oh these God. sounds. That is so cool. I love it when science meets art. Like it's such a kind of, it's like and two history. worlds colliding yeah. and history. Yeah. We met Hans Ulrich Obris recently and he was talking a lot about that and about how different disciplines can really inform each other and how in a way we all need to come together in order to create a better future and, you know. Where we're, where we're heading, especially with eco and all the climate change mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Well, Talbot Rice, you know, so we're, we've got this amazing position being a connection between the public and artists and the university. And the university, obviously, departments are vast and we can plug artists into all these different disciplines. In the past, we've had artists work with, with geology, with anthropology. So this time, Samson, we kind of knew there was a connection there. So the invitation went to Samson with the idea in mind about we had a sense that he could do amazing things with this music department, but then it takes that artist to then take that idea and run and do something completely unique for us, also for the university, but also for the public. So what you're hearing out here is something completely, completely unique. What does Talbot Rice mean? 
Who's Talbot Rice or where is Talbot Rice? Um, it's named after David Talbot Rice, okay. who was an art historian and writer. Oh. Um, he was at the university from the 1930s until his death in 1972. You're good at the PR. See, so you, got, you got all the numbers. <laughs> I was doing my, doing my uh, research <laughs> before you got here. <laughs> um, so he always had, so he, he ran the art history department here and he always had this ambition to open a gallery, open an art space. To literally do what we continue to do now, create a meeting point between the public and the university. Um, And he initially raised the funds to open the gallery in 1969, Mm -hmm. and we opened in 1970, just before his death in 72, and it was named named after him in 72. Wow. So the Edinburgh Art Festival, which we're here for, um, how have you found it this year and, and compared to years before? Um, it's, be, it's been great. Again, yeah. it's, um, it's always great to kind of plug what we do into the broader community yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. And there's some great shows. I mean, as probably anyone who works in a gallery um, knows, you don't really get out now. You, right. So a weekend for you actually get to see those shows. But, what have you seen you've liked? So um, love going out to Jupiter, yeah. having a swim. It's my first time. Yeah, so you did have a swim. So I you did. swam in the swim. So did, we were talking yeah. about that this morning. We saw that and we got the swimming trunks we're very happy about that but that's an, it's an amazing place my first place rob's been there a few times but it's just magical that's like a proper destination something i really like that is part of the edinburgh art festival this year linking to you guys is um the alfredo jar uh, neon that's in the walkway mm-hmm. it's kind of in a little bridge section um as you walk up to talbot rice gallery and we just stood in front of it a minute ago and i love it and we've also been given a tote bag which i am so using because yeah. it's basically my slogan for life which is i can't go on I'll go on. <laughs> it's like pure it's drama very and very me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, drama, drama, drama. But, um, Fine. Has that been quite, uh, has people responded well to that, Neon? Absolutely. And it's great for us to have that. So locally, as, you, as you've probably found when you get here, we are hidden in plain sight. And actually that signs help people kind of come up the alleyway and we make sure we catch their eye at the end so we're then, kind of we're well we're well signposted from the other angles but that's the one that we kind of and i was saying earlier we bit. came from parliament hall um where we saw the nathan coley installation mm. it was a really unusual context to see contemporary mm. art it was brilliant um and i said that to them how, how are we gonna how are we gonna get to uh, talbot rice and we were said to look for the neon and it did really help as a signpost to, fantastic did to you see your you. new signs on chamber street as well yeah they're great yeah, yeah, yeah. we've just had them installed as well so we're kind of pushing towards kind of increased visibility so we can bring people and you are very centrally located we um, are we're right in the center of town but we're in an, a grade a listed building so there's very little we can do in terms of external signage oh, right. so again hiding in plain sight and edinburgh's best kept secret are the, the well we're picking it up on talk fantastic so in samson young's exhibition that's currently here there are two rooms one is a big film installation with audio kind of like speakers in the floor they're almost like volcanic rock or something the way it looks mm. but i, I love that i've never sat on them yep are you not meant to? Not meant to sit on the You're allowed to sit on the carpet, though, aren't you? Because he's installed the carpet, a carpet, yeah. which also changes the acoustics. Okay. Um, and then in the other, and that was originally in the Sydney Biennale, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it's part of his muted series. Um, I think it's the 22nd in the series where Samson's taken a, a famous work um, of music or literature and he's muted it. He's taken the sound away from or the primar, the primary sound away from it and just kind of explored what's left behind when you take that kind of top level of sound away. And then the second room has an installation that was actually made for this exhibition and for the space that it's in. And can you tell me about that actual room as well? Because the history of that room is incredible. Sure. Yeah. So that, the piece is called Possible Music. Um, and uh, yeah, as you said, Samson made it particularly specifically for, for this room. But it's in the 
um, our Georgian Gallery, um, which was initially designed as the Natural History Museum of the University. So it was finished in the 1820s, and soon after that, Charles Darwin studied in this building wow. and um, like so spent his time in the building. He has done, yeah, Multiple and he, times. you can still hear his footsteps at night if you listen carefully <laughs> enough. I love that. That's and, it, and the funny thing is, we saw a Phila de Barlow sculpture, and she was in Jupiter Artland earlier, and yep. she's a, a distant relative of Charles Darwin, I think. No way. Yeah, I think she's that that family history. Yeah, that's right. It's full yeah. circle, Rob. It is full circle. So the there's the also there's all here. sorts of history and folk um, folk stories about the the building, and one of them is there was a live puma who lived here in the 1820s. Puma. Live puma roamed these halls. There's an etching that exists from the 1820s, which kind of shows the puma hiding under a table. But was it a friendly puma? Well, apparently it was kind of it was let out at night in the local area and caused 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 trouble, and it's been kind of and then it was like taken to the borders to sort of see out its days. Oh my god! That is a wild story. So it's a charred, it's a charred space. It is and a charred space. Uh, I can feel that puma <laughs> and Charles Darwin's footsteps. Yeah. So what I really love about this place, bringing in the community and getting people involved, is that you ask for volunteer exhibition assistance every year. That's like you put mm. the feeders out, and anybody mm. who's local or not local can volunteer during the shows right that's right yeah and it's usually students it's students because you know so being part of the university we we offer students they, they do one day a week with us and we sort of train them up and how to kind of get to know the exhibitions how to convey that to the public and um, we work very closely with them so yeah it's a chance for them to get to know how we operate here and more often than not it's the start of a career for these for these volunteers teach them how and, to talk about art how to be articulate about curating and Artists and Absolutely, and also the nuts and bolts. If some of them want, are more interested in the technical side, they spend time with our technician. Um, more curatorial side, they spend time with the curatorial team. And also, you've been really um, a key part of the Talbot Rise is that you have a residence program, um, which so, offers kind of opportunities and support for emerging artists to continue and create new work. Can you talk a bit about that as well? Because that's great. Yeah. So it started last year. We were the Scottish recipient of the Freelance Foundation um, new. Um, artist initiative for young emerging artists so every year we bring in five artists who spend two years with us um, we provide them with a studio we provide them with workshops we give them this is all within the university all within the university wow. yeah and similarly to the artists in the main program they also have access to the collections they have access to the the academic community within the university and we work closely with them over the space of two years we bring in guests to deliver master classes and workshops and um studio visits with them so we kind of work closely with them and our hope is that we we can help them develop their career we can give them the access to new research strands new new options but also kind of raise their profile and raise their visibility so we hope at the end of the two years then they'll be ready to kind of go on to the next stage of their career that's so fantastic no so so we're working with 20 artists over the space of, the, of five years so we had five we've had five in for the last nine months and we've just selected our new five so we're wow. going to have 10 artists for the next so how do you select them from we, it's an open call. Right. So it's open to any artist based in Scotland. Um, you've got to have three years out of graduation. So okay. you've got to have that kind of evidence. Living in the of, world yeah, as an exactly. artist. Right. Yeah. And understand what this opportunity could be um, and showing us sort of dedication to a practice. Right. Um, and it's open call. And then we bring in a, a different panel every year to select the five. And as you can imagine, Scotland is highly competitive. You know, it's hundreds of applications and getting it down to five is a, is a real job. But have you had any big successes so far from the residences? Well, it only started last year. So oh, the right. first, okay. yeah, right. the first lot are only kind of in there in nine months in now. So, um, but we hope in the future that it will be. Do a, you follow them? Closely, is it something you're kind of loyal to your to your babies? 
Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They feel like they feel like our own uh, cohort. Their their studios along the road at the Edinburgh College of Art because wow. they've they've partnered in this process with us. Um, but yeah, we check in on them quite a lot. And, Amazing. So we've been brought to Edinburgh with Bombay Sapphire and they have a campaign at the moment about discovering the creative potential within all of us. And we really liked that idea because it's kind of supporting, you know, new artists and new designers and um, all kind of new creativity. And um, what advice or tips would you give to somebody who's looking to awaken their own creative potential? It's a very good question. And yeah, it's one I ask myself quite a lot as well. <laughs> but um, I would say just stay curious, just read watch talk you know get to know the world around you and uh, respond how you how you do and get to know other people i think a lot of kind of the great creative enterprise we do is based around collaboration it's based around discussion and yeah just follow your own path get to know what's going on there but obviously follow your own your own path so do you make work yourself uh, i used to oh wow yeah i studied practice before i sort of crossed over to more curatorial practice but um I it naturally went that way, so I don't feel as if I'm no longer making work. I feel as if this is a natural tradition yeah. of, of my own my own work. And as a curator, what kind of inspires you or stirs your own creativity when it comes to curating a show or thinking about an exhibition? It's it's seeing seeing other shows, seeing work by um, great artists, shows by good curators. But beyond that, reading great literature, poetry, watching great film, TV. Everything, yeah, basically everything. You Imagine. know why? You know, listening, to, listening to incredible podcasts, like exactly, exactly. exactly. Yes. And yeah. Drinking Bombay Sapphire while you're doing it, yeah. <laughs> and also watching Years and Years. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad to see the. Thank what you. Happened. Thank you. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Individual so four. Yes, thank you. My parents are very upset as well. Oh. So we ask every guest that comes on. We ask them two very serious, hard-hitting questions. The first one is: If you could do an art heist, you could steal any artwork in the world your touchstone artwork and you can take it home a little bit legally, what would that be? And if you can, try and make it Edinburgh-centric. I was, I was going to say... Say it. Say it anyway. <laughs> Even if it's not Edinburgh. I was Edinburgh. going to say a, a Pierre Huyg work. Oh, cool. Um, the piece at Documenta, which name escapes me, but in the, in the forest where you had like, live animals living. I'd have that in my garden. Wow. Dog with a pink leg. Yes, I saw that. So what was that about? Because they shaved the leg of the dog and then they painted neon pink. Dyed it it pink, yeah. And created this whole new ecosystem of animals that lived in the middle of the forest, which you came across kind of not knowing if it was an artwork or you'd passed into another dimension. How did you say his surname? I I say Huig, but I don't know if that's correct. I remember seeing that a lot on Instagram Mm -hmm. when that happened. I think it was the most Instagram image because it's such a striking image of that animal with the bright... did they seem quite happy I was always worried about it Um, I think there was there was those issues but they all seemed they seemed happy enough to me there was a lot of them there was like a whole kind of yeah well there was there was bees and there was like like microbes living in the water as well so it was this whole ecosystem that he'd created with different life forms I saw a retrospective of his in Cologne and Mm. they had um, a whole bee installation outside in the courtyard and it was just breathtaking I mean it was really great and um, I think Edbrosentic though I would have a swimming pool Oh, my God. oh really? Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be nice. The new Jupiter Outland Swimming Pool, yeah. But not open to the public. Every half hour, you wouldn't have like just 10 people me. in there. Yeah, lots yeah, of bushes. Lots of bushes. Oh. <laughs> the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? I think it'd probably have to be curator black stroke dark grey. <laughs> really? I think, I'm afraid so. Why is that? Um, Just to blend in. Just the uniform. Blend in with the background and... 
Oh no! Allow the artist to be the stars. That's and he nice. Can blend into the no, that's nice. No, because that means no, he's in the shadows. No, but curators, <laughs> curators don't need the applause. They're there to like help. But he, he also, also does a PR, so they do kind of need the attention. <laughs> they true. do want the attention. Well, we've got a new tote bag which is black with a gold accent, so maybe that's the. That's oh, that, and you, did you design that? Possibly. Well, <laughs> I, I, con- I con- contributed to the idea. Maybe it also frees you up a bit if you have a kind of uniform in that sense. If you just know you're going to wear black or dark grey, it frees you up to actually think more and be more productive. Because Gilbert and George wear their suits every day in order to not have to think about what they're going to wear, so it makes them more creative. So actually, you probably become a better curator. Wow. Well, let's see. You we are Gilbert see. and George. <laughs> we, will, one person. we will follow you. We're very excited. Um, thank you for the amazing tour today. Thank it's been much, really Stuart. great. Yeah, and pleasure. for everyone listening, please download the map on Bombay Sapphire's Instagram. And I think it'll be on their website as well, which will show you the guide to all the places we've been to today and maybe even more. We love Edinburgh so much. We've had the most amazing day. It's just been awesome. Please follow our Instagram. Yes, as Rob said. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone we've interviewed today, all the different spaces. And um, we will be back every year because we love this whole time of year in yeah. Edinburgh it's the most thank magical you to Sapphire for bringing us this opportunity and for getting these lovely interviews out to you and everyone listening remember to stir your creativity and we'll be back very soon thanks guys thanks bye. bye you've been listening to a very special episode of Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey we've loved celebrating Edinburgh's creative scene all thanks to Bombay Sapphire's new campaign Discover the Possibilities Within with thanks to the teams at The Skinny and Acast for helping guide us around the city. Please visit our Instagram at TalkArt for images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Plus, you can download a special map of our Edinburgh highlights from the at Bombay Sapphire UK Instagram. Edited by Anthony Shaw and recorded live in Edinburgh. We'll be back soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.